for me, the beyond leadership is, yes, you need to do the work on yourself. But then when you do the work on yourself, you need to look beyond. Because surrender for me is not surrender for you. Mm. And my values are not your values. And your experience is not my experience. And my culture fit is not your culture fit. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We have such an exciting guest today, episode 105, and our guest is Noah Ronan. Noah is from Israel, originally moved here to this country about 15 years ago, and she is about leadership, but from a perspective of being, capital B-E, being. Her book is called Beyond Leadership from Awareness to Awareness. Dare to be the leader you can be. It is going to be such an interesting conversation. We're talking about how we tend to focus on doing as leaders when so much needs to be about being as leaders. And it's not saying that doing or being is good or bad, but how do they work together? How do they integrate? How do we default to doing, but we need to find the time and the space and the intention for being? She's gonna talk about the importance of having a resourceful mindset. She's gonna talk about energy, the energy that goes with being and the separate and different energy with doing. And again, how they complete each other versus compete with each other. She's gonna talk about this really cool piece of understanding the role of surrender on the journey from awareless to aware mess to awareness. As you can guess, this is a great conversation, something Craig and I are excited to have Noah with us and get ready to have some of your comfort levels challenged. Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. I am intrigued today. My word today is intrigued. Our special guest is Noah Ronan, who is a speaker, coach, author. You know, I'd love this disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee lover. She's got more than 20 years of experience in change management, HR, project nice. management, coaching. And here's what got me, got my attention with Noah. Her book is called Beyond, capital B E, Beyond Leadership from Awareless to awareness, hmm. dare to be the leader you can be. So we're talking a lot about be and her concept is a mindset around beyond leadership. And I, I, I think back to so much of my life journey, and I think Craig and I, in creating Cartavera, we're talking about leadership is so much about who we are and who we become Absolutely. and who we're prepared to be. So we're going to have a be conversation <laughs> today with Noah. So we don't have Noah. to do all the things. No, we're just going to just show up in a hammock. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So not Great doing to today. And yeah. just to match it, I have a just be 
there we go. The coffee, coffee mug. Cup. I'm not sure if people, uh, um, you know, if it's also on video, but today I don't have coffee. So my apologies. I'm with you. <laughs> so sorry to all the coffee lovers. I'm betraying you today. Betraying you today. <laughs> betraying. Okay. So Noah, give us a little bit of the background story that brings you here today. Um, so before we started recording, I, uh, we talked about me being from Israel. So that's the accent if people ask themselves, where is she from? <laughs> so I'm, I'm originally from Israel, um, moved to the U.S. for two years adventure, as many times happen. You come uh, for a job opportunity, relocation for two, three years, and then 15 years after <laughs> your toddlers become vicious, vicious teenagers. Um <laughs> nice. So before the move to the U.S., I worked in change management and uh, leadership uh, development and um, human resources. And it started um, in the army because in Israel, everyone has to go to the army. Mm -hmm. So I didn't fight. Most women don't. Today, it's more. But in uh, my old age, uh, we, we were not fighting. So it, more, it was more of an, an admin work in the Israeli army. And actually without knowing that i did somewhat of coaching to the officers in the army uh, <laughs> at the age of 18 helping wow. them how um to have their leadership stance or executive executive presence that when they need to say go people will follow them wow um and a lot of what i did later on was in change management it was about almost 20 years ago and companies when they brought technologies they spent a lot of money on that the ceo would say hey c-suite executives work together make it happen as fast as you can because we put a lot of money on it and i was very young and i was sat in a room with ceos vice presidents uh in the corporate corporates in israel um helping them work together so I wow. learned very early how they think and what they care about. And there was another component on the other side that doesn't exist today. People being afraid that the technology will send them home. Mm, yeah. So there was that su survival um, component into the change experience. And what, can, what I learned from working with people who resist the process and don't want to support it. Um, wow. And then we moved to the US and I thought things will be fine, we'll get settled and everything will be fine, but I was stuck for almost five years. Hmm. Um, and that was a very frustrating time in my life. And actually um, it's the inspiration of the book and everything I do today with people because I try to replicate the actions talking about doing right all the actions that worked for me in israel oh, yeah. and they didn't work in the new situation that that's being called transition points i didn't know that then but i was very frustrated with myself how come that woman that is able to see results suddenly is so stuck and doesn't see the results she wants to see and after many failures and many fears of not doing and avoiding a lot of things I decided to take a pause, had my third child and started blogging. And blogging about 12 years ago was like the boom of podcasting today. And I didn't do that with any intention. There was not like, this is gonna be the next thing for me. It was just like, I need a break and I want to write. 
and people started responding to me. I wrote it in right. Hebrew, not in English. I wrote about being an Israeli mom in the US, so that it was not anything professional. <laughs> and then people asked me to coach them. And what wow. was crazy about that was that, that if all those women who called me were Israeli women reading my, my uh, blog and telling me, we're so stuck with our lives. How do you do that? Can you coach me? Wow. Well, that's proof positive that when you micro-target you know, a particular uh, market segment, that you get much better response. So yeah. it's great that you, you found that you know, particular group that you res resonated with. And what's interesting that there was no intention behind, behind <laughs> yeah, that, right? right? And that, that was so funny in life that you, you put so much force into changing your situation yeah. and it doesn't work for you. Wow. And suddenly when you let go, and I was even in a surrender space, yeah. suddenly universe provides in a way. And because all those women called me in the same week, I said, well, I will be stupid not to listen to the message I'm getting from the universe. <laughs> right. And you know, 12 years ago, I thought that coaching was a scam. So I, I went and I did some research. I'm very honest. I didn't coach those ladies. So it's not like what you see in the sitcoms that you wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm a life coach. I did my research. <laughs> I, I got certified and started doing the work. And today I work with leaders again. So it took me some time to go back. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the try to make this, this, the not so long, but not too short <laughs> story. <laughs> so when you're, when you're working with leaders, what is the biggest thing that they seem to have, you know, that, that you would say maybe a roadblock or a blind spot that, that you're dealing with, with them? So I think the people that are pulled to me, um, there, there are two main groups. Uh, one is the group that tells me I need someone that is different than me. So I even <laughs> right. had someone telling me, I saw what you're wearing in your picture. And I said, I need someone that just wear the opposite of what I'm wearing, that I can get myself out of my, my head and the way I think and be with someone that thinks differently than me. Interesting. And the other group are people that are in those transition transitions points okay. where all the actions that worked for them before oh yeah don't work anymore it just yeah. doesn't and a lot of them are doers like me <laughs> that's right yeah those transitions and, can be tough what are the key transitions that you're talking about is it like going from individual contributor to manager manager to leader different companies different industries Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot, like my where I really like to be is with companies that uh, some call it the um, in the messy middle, that they they have that big jump from four people to twenty, from oh, twenty gotcha. to three hundred, and uh, everything is happening so fast that I don't know how to do things anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I'm losing track. It's too confusing for me. Everything is spinning. And that's for me a very interesting phase to join and work with leaders. So Noah, your your book title immediately <laughs> caught my attention. Yeah. It's a capital B E beyond, and it says leadership. It talks about awareness, um, awarenessness. Yeah. So talk about how that's a core of this. I know that's something Craig and I talk about a lot. How vital it is for leaders to be aware and continue to grow in that. So give us. 
a little more of the story of what is this about being beyond leadership? Yeah. So, so I, I called, you know, the book is beyond leadership from awareness to awareness. And in the middle, there is the word mess. And I really like playing <laughs> with words. And um, so that those are the three parts of the book. And I truly believe it starts with awareness. And um, most of us don't know what we do wrong. So we keep doing what we do because that's what we know. So, for example, yeah. many times people will come and say, my manager or my lead, my, I will call it manager, you know, they don't call them leaders, but my manager doesn't recognize me. They don't appreciate me. They don't tell me the good work I do. Mm -hmm. And they're very upset with their manager. And from my perspective, we don't do bad things to people because we're mean people. There are <laughs> right. not a lot of mean people in this world. I don't believe in that. And I truly worked with very hard people in my life, including um, being a daughter of an uh, um, army officer that was very strict <laughs> with us at home. And I do believe there are things that we just never learned how mm. to do. Yeah. Um, there are some muscles like the muscles we work in the gym that we just never worked on and we don't know how to work with them. And that's uh, why we are in that awareness space. And it's very hard for us to find what it is that we do wrong. And that's why I was stuck for five years. I was not, I, I was not able to comprehend what am I doing wrong that doesn't work for me. Now, does that come back to, did you, were you on a journey of self-discovery that, that you then figured it out, or did you have some outside insight that helped you to see some of those blind spots? So I'm going to say something interesting. When you go through change experiences, there is a lot of alone, if, yep. especially when you talk. So relocation is mm -hmm. very isolating experience. You move, you don't have your community, especially when you move from a small country like Israel, there is no family, no friends. Everything that I built mm. in the 30 years in my life is gone. Wow. Right? And there, I'm not going to go now to everything related to change. That can be maybe later on conversation. I'm going to stay with what we talk about right now. But there is a lot of being alone. So you talk a lot with yourself. <laughs> so I remember walking in the streets of Brooklyn. I, we used to live in New York City then and pushing my son's stroller and telling, asking myself, what am I doing wrong? And a lot of times when I talk with people in that awareness experience, I tell them it's very exhausting being with your thoughts all the time. And they say, <laughs> yes, it is. Right. <laughs> so it's the same, especially the higher you go as a leader, the more lonely you feel absolutely because there is less you can share with your people sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes you choose not to share for some different reasons so it feels right. very alone and that's part of where you feel so frustrated with yourself or with the situation it's not always with yourself it's just like, why it's not working for me why and by the way business owners we're all business owners the same experience you start a business you're there alone you do things and you say why it's not working for me yep. so there is a lot of internal conversation but you just don't know how to have a different conversation because that's what you know yeah so that's the awareness part so, so no the thing that struck me is first of all i love that you create a new word i love creating new <laughs> words every, every time i write a book i create at least one new word and, <laughs> only and when part, you create a new book 
<laughs> well, no, that's true. <laughs> I know every book has a new word, but I, I love I, I love playing with with oh, yes. words. And now I started um, coaching again in Hebrew, so I find myself um, inventing new words in Hebrew, and I tell my clients, "Okay, that's a new word. I really like it." Yeah. So let me talk about the word you created. The word you created, and I love it, is aware mess. Aware mess. Okay. Aware mess. <laughs> and I feel like people have a sense that this these transitions. I think they have a sense it's going to be messy and that's part of the resistance. Mm -hmm. Like they, they sense that they're looking for a clear cut answer. Tell me what to do and then I can be over here. Yeah. And I found it's almost always really messy in the journey. So talk about how you've experienced aware mess and how you share that with your clients. So for me, I think that awareness is a beautiful space, Uh, but I say that as a coach, I'm not sure I enjoy enjoy that when I'm in, although I'm right with the journey, you learn to appreciate it. Um, So here is the deal. Yes, we don't like to be in that messy place the same way we don't like to be. We don't. We want to do it's what we know for many years. We want to take actions and be in the actions. And and I, I say in the book that uh, and also to my clients, um, we learned that from a very early age. Well, then we don't have to change so much because if we can just do something, that doesn't mean that we have to change our core, our beliefs, our, you know, who, who we represent ourselves as, you know, our person, our, um, our identity. And again, I don't think we do that because that's what we believe. I just believe we do that because that's what we know in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the deal think about it when we were little kids the parents would tell us be a good girl go do your homework (laughs) be a good boy go clean up your room so what do you learn right be a good boy help your friends at school so so this is what you learn you learn that this is the formula if i am doing what i'm expected to do equals Uh. good so i'm focusing on that that's where I come from. Okay. It doesn't mean that it's the whole truth, but that's where I come. That's my perspective. Mm-hmm. So we focus on that and think about it. Who's the people that are being seen? The people who do. That was my belief. I don't need to be the best, but I know how to do. And I know how to do it fast. And I know how to do big projects that no one else can do. And I will be seen. Even if I'm not bringing the best uh, certifications and you know all the other stuff, I will show them that I can do. Mm. So, so that's the focus. And then the messy part is that suddenly we need to use new actions. And then we get, right? It's, 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 it's doesn't feel comfortable suddenly. Right. And I say that in that place, sometimes we get lost, but this is actually very good. When people come to me and say, I tried everything and I'm lost, I'm very happy. <laughs> Because when you are lost, you're willing, you're willing to try new ways of doing because you tried everything and nothing worked for you. And that's when innovation will show up and creativity will show up. And I even tell that in a very kind of like dramatic way. If you are lost and we, we read those stories, we saw those movies, when people were in situation that they were, they were re- really lost and they had two choices. One is to live and one is to die. You become very creative if you choose, <laughs> if you choose, if you choose to live. Some people choose and, and there is no judgment. There are some situations that you choose to 
to, um, you know, um, a death of a business, a death of a relationship, that's fine. But if you choose the living, you will, you know, the movie of the guy that cut his hand mm, to, yeah. to get out of uh, being stuck in a, in a rock. We do very creative and innovative. We find very creative and innovative solutions to get out of the situations. And you see that with companies, by the way, we saw that with the pandemic, how many people pivot, right? It was like right. live or die. So um, I find that space very interesting. And that's when people are willing, and I'm really interesting putting that attention on that word, they are willing to try and experiment and, and do new things and show up that by the way, the being show up in a new way. So when they, it sounds to me that that's what I would call resourcefulness. And yeah. so they become more resourceful. They figure out, okay, I have more resources than what I've been using. Yeah. And I'm able to that. bring those to bear in this situation. Yeah. What, but not everybody knows how to use those. So when you're coaching somebody that's in that space of now suddenly becoming more resourceful, what do you encourage them to do to be able to leverage those resources? So first, I love that because, you know, one of the main uh, foundations of coaching is to see people as resourceful, yeah, right? right. Um, and at least from my perspective, is really changing the conversation from resources to resourceful mm -hmm. and even how as a leader to pay attention, what is the conversation that we are having in, in the room with others with my team with myself am i talking resources or am i talking resourcefulness <laughs> okay. and and i do believe a lot right if if we talked before about awareness is how do i become aware of my tendencies because we all have tendencies i want everything to be perfect and that's where i get in my way <laughs> so actually my word this this year is playfulness mm, because uh, if I show up to this podcast and have to do everything perfect, yeah. I will screw it up. I know it. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. I really like the shift from resources to resourceful because as I was hearing resources, as you were describing it, Craig, I said, this feels like the doing thing again. Mm. This is like go outside myself and get what I need versus resourceful feels like an inside job, mm -hmm. including how I see myself. And I'm curious, no, you didn't say this, but I think you were at the edge of it and maybe just didn't say it. So much of this is about people attaching their value and their worthiness to doing, mm -hmm. not just past success. And like your kids' examples, 
what those kids learn, what we learn from that message is if you do your homework, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't do your homework and don't do it well, then you're not good. Right. And I start learning that I've got to do these certain things to be what someone else wants me to be. And there becomes the life spiral. And that, exactly. that's also an issue of approval, right? We, we, we want to seek our parents' approval. And so we do these certain things rather than, you know, that's, that was one of the key lessons that I learned from parenting is just praising my children for who they are mm-hmm. rather than what they do. And yeah. that's, that's not, not easy. easy, not easy, <laughs> but, but yeah, there is a difference between a child coming to you and saying, I got 60. Okay. And you say, why? Right. Uh, so my, <laughs> my question to my kids, when they're very frustrated with that, what do you feel about this grade? And then they give me the answer and I say, okay, so, so now go, now when you understand what you're feeling about that and what you're thinking about that. You have, you can become resourceful to choose what you're going to do, if at all, about that. Because it doesn't mean that we always have to act on it. And that's what we forget. We Mm. can choose not to act. And that's okay, too. (laughs) Wow. That's so freeing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I'm obviously biased. I'm biased. I admit my bias because I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. And I'll put that out there. But I have found for myself, whether it's a coach or a friend or a mentor, I t- often have to have an outside perspective because of the point I can't see it right, and I can't hear myself. And I know that like one of the, I tend to take extremes, Noah, Greg mm-hmm. knows this. Mm-hmm. And so my view is when someone says, I have to go think about this, I usually say, oh my God, don't do that. <laughs> don't, that's the worst thing you could do. Because mm-hmm. I find that my thinking is the source of all my um, self-limiting beliefs. It's all my fears. It's all my doubt. It's all my risk manager. And if all I'm doing is thinking, I'm going to just be spinning in here constantly thinking. So that's my problem. Yeah. Yeah, so- well, yeah. What's that being? And being is the opposite of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so I let me let me define how I how I define being. Okay. Because mm-hmm. really. Um, what I'm trying to ex- explain from my perspective is that we have two energies and I'm not saying that doing is bad. Okay. So I, I hope no one thinks that from, from listening to me or feeling that because I'm, I, I'm a doer. I am a doer. Uh, so, but we do have two energies that are somewhat like yin and yang. So they're mm. not competing with each other, but completing each other. Interesting. So the doing is the one that we all understand. It's the, the, um, the actions. Okay, the to-do list, the what we need to do, the tactical side. The fire. So that's the doing. Yeah, that's the drive. And that's mm-hmm. great. We, we are meant to be productive, okay, as human beings. If we're not productive, you know, when people tell me, I want work-life balance. I just want to sit there on that island, you know, do nothing. And I say, okay, so for how long are you going to do that? Let's talk <laughs> about that, okay? Two weeks, three weeks, you're going to sit there on the island with a book and read four weeks, how long you can go there doing nothing. Okay. So we, we are not meant to do nothing. We are so productive uh, human beings. And then there is that other energy, the being part that I define as a container. And that container mm-hmm. has emotions and thoughts and fears and aspirations and limiting beliefs and perspectives, all that good stuff, 
okay, together. And what happens is that for some people, we are more in the doing. And by the way, other people are more in their being. And it could be that we are different in different situations, but we do have a tendency. So what, what I say is that if we learn what is our tendency, we can create a way to shift that tendency or hmm. shorten how long we stay there. So being is not all bad. If you look at athletes, it's, very, it's easy for me to explain, explain that when we talk about athletes. Um, I like to take the tennis example. So if we have two players, the one that will win the game, and if they are both have the same way of doing, okay, the same expertise and skills, the one that will win the game is the one that knows how to work, how to lead with this being or her being. While the other, something happened there with a thought or a limiting belief or something for a, mm. a, a moment that can, can shift the winning or losing. Gotcha. So I don't say that it's about the doing alone or being alone, but I need to learn how to bring them together hmm. that I can show up differently as a leader. And as Jeff said about his thoughts, if I learn what are the thoughts that are not serving me, I will learn how to work differently with my thoughts or identify, okay, I'm spinning right now. <laughs> What, so now I know because most what I'm, I'm missing many times and I know training in organizations is not working. I used to be a trainer and I believe it's, it's kind of like a dead horse training. Um, so what I find the problem is that we teach people the, the good, right? How you are when you are at your best. But most of the day, I'm not at my best. Most of the day, I screw up as a mother, as a wife as a business owner, even as a coach, I screw up. You're not perfect most of the time. But if I learn to identify that, I can learn how to bring myself to where I want to be. Hmm. Interesting. There's uh, more recently, I've been watching The Amazing Race. It's, it's um, fascinating to me because it's a, it's a race around the world to win a million dollars. And you have these different teams that are competing and one of the things that I really like about it is seeing the human dimension and seeing how some people get resourceful and some people give up. Mm. And it's, it's really interesting to see how the relationships change as they go through those different states. And so it's, to me, it's, it's uh, something that can be self-reflective and saying, wow, you know, how do I respond in that situation? Um, so anyway, I, I just find it be. <laughs> fascinating about the human condition and also looking at that resourcefulness versus I'm, I'm not being resourceful and I'm, I'm giving up. And that's okay. You know, what I'm saying is that even to, <laughs> to identify that right now I'm not resourceful, that's okay too. And, and I think again, because we learned that we need to be in a doing all the time and especially mm. executive C-suites are like doing, doing that, like, and, and they're the ones that get it and they understand that actually when I have that space not to yeah. do, that's when the cool stuff shows up. Absolutely. Uh, but just looking at yourself and saying, right now I'm talking resources or resources or I am not resourceful right now. Isn't that awesome that you can tell that to yourself and mm -hmm. just 
be for a moment with yourself or say, I'm, I'm shifting to something yeah. else because if I'm going to keep pushing like I did for five years, anyway, nothing will show up from that. Mm. And it's freeing when you can see that and say, okay, this is what's happening to me right now and it's not serving me and not there is no uh, productive doing going to happen right now. So it's okay to, to put it aside. So what that sounds like to me is that our schedules then become very important in how we manage our time so that we have blocks of, you know, maybe unscheduled time that we can have that flexibility to just be for a while. Yes. I, I find it to be very important. And one of the things I do when clients uh, wrap up the time working with me, doesn't matter for how long, I say, don't let go of that hour a week with me. Mm. Because you probably know that when you sit with a leader, even as a group, when I do group coaching with leaders, they always say the same thing. I never have time to reflect. Agree? Mm. Yeah, always say that. I don't have the time to reflect and think about it. And even if I don't get anything constructive to get today from the conversation, just talking for an hour with someone that is external from the experience <laughs> helps me. And then I tell them, please leave that one hour. Keep going, keep calling this coaching session, Noah time, whatever you want to <laughs> call it. I bring my ego into the conversation and I say, just keep it. Keep it to keep doing that reflection. Um, and, and even if it's not going to be 45 minutes and you're going to spend 10 minutes and then for the next 30 minutes, you're just going to, I don't know, do nothing. Keep that time. Well, I think that my experience, Noah, and I'm curious about yours in terms of the coaching side and even my own experience is that reflective time, we say we want it. But I think there's a conflict. I think there's a part of our unconscious that doesn't want it because that reflective time terrifies us. Of because course. in that time, I'm not doing. Of and course. So people say, I want it. And I'll usually say, well, the reason you don't have it is because you don't really want it yet. Well, yeah, I do. Right. But you don't because I've yeah. seen so many leaders, you talk about that transition, they transition to the next level. And if you do it well, there's a lot less to do. Right. There's a lot less to do. It's mostly being. And they're like, they keep, that's why they micromanage. They keep grabbing things. Why are you still involved in this? I said, because they're terrified. They're sitting at a desk now. They don't have 70 hours of work to do anymore. Legitimately, if, if, they, they, are good, if they are good leaders, if they're yes. good leaders, they've got yeah. 20 hours of work to do. Yeah. And now what? That they're like, oh my God, I have to keep doing. So I think that's a really important awareness. That <laughs> yeah. We can be afraid of being. Yeah, yeah we, we definitely are afraid and it's not a, you know, those conversations that uh, we are having right now, it's a journey. I, I am in this journey for almost 15 years. Um, you know, being in that journey was not always fun for me, but uh, today I find it liberating. You know, one of my clients asked me, Do you, are you a joyful person? And I mm -hmm. said, Actually, most not all the time, and it's not like every experience in my life is wonderful. I do have challenges in my life, but I I can see more joy, and yeah. I do believe that most of us look to experience peace. Like, like seriously, the higher you go beyond all those communication conflicts, politics, all that stuff, 
it's amazing that no matter what level you are, people lose confidence. People mm. feel that they're not being seen. And like CEOs, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, not in the beginning of your journey. It doesn't matter. I always tell my husband, it's amazing. No matter what um, a title you have, we all human and we all have the same, yeah. same thoughts that uh, get in our way. And I don't know what we started talking about, so I'm mumbling right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's just that, yeah, we are afraid of being with ourselves. But here is something I will say. Part of the fear is that we have thoughts that don't serve us. Mm, yes. And when we learn to, and that's why we, some of us, by the way, um, move, kind of like focus on action because it feels uncomfortable being with those thoughts. Mm. And when we learn how to work with those thoughts that don't serve us, um, for example, for me, part of the reason I was stuck was that in my first language, I felt I'm an influencer. Think about it. I was 20 and a bit, and I was sat in room with CEOs of big companies <laughs> in Israel. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I come to a new country, and it's not like my English was bad, but in my head, it was mm. not good enough. Mm. And I felt that my gift, my strength was not there with me anymore. Mm. And now I, I, I felt so uh, kind of like a handicapped. That strength was being taken away from me. And that got in my way for a long time. And, and you know, it, it, it kept going. The, the first time I was able to kind of like tell to that voice, I'm done with you, is when I published my book. It was when I said to that voice, that's it. I'm done with you. I now have a book in English and we are done with the conversation <laughs> that my English is not good enough. That's awesome. Still, the reason why we don't want to be is that then all those thoughts that we don't enjoy show up and that feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And when people start going through the process of learning how to identify those thoughts and say, okay, I heard you, you are not serving me right now. And I listen to you and I'm able to access a different voice that is serving me. And they learn how to do that work. Suddenly, those people that were busy all day long tell me that they told their wife, let's go for a coffee and I will start working at 10. And suddenly they eat lunch with their kids and suddenly they have time yeah. to walk. And it's, it's just that peace that they can could it that restlessness that they felt before is not as intense and then i can be yeah i think one one of the things is you have to be able to separate yourself from that voice that's coming in uh t harvecker he would say you know when you hear that voice and it's saying no don't do this you know you can't change you can't do this just say thanks for sharing and then move on <laughs> Yeah, um, just heard a podcast interview with one of the founders. I can't, I'm so bad with names, so my apologies to him. Um, he wrote a book. He was one of the co-founders of Netflix. So, um, you know, it, it's never going to work. So that, that's the name of the book, you know, the voices that tell you. It's, it's Mark never... Randolph. Is it Mark Randolph? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he has. See, <laughs> he ha he's one of my favorite quotes. He's in my email signature, actually. Yeah. And I, I you probably love this, knowing what you said about yourself, because no, his quote was, you have to disrupt yourself before someone disrupts you. Yes. 
And, and, uh, and, and by the way, talking messiness, I really loved what he said, that there are no good ideas. There are no good ideas. Um, uh oh, Jeff just lit up. <laughs> right? That's awesome because only when you try them, you can know if they are good or bad. Exactly. So well, actually, I, I said a little differently about 15 years ago. One of my best friends remembers it because he's still pissed because <laughs> he said something to me. I shared. He said, Well, that's a great idea. And I said, I had never thought it before. I said, David, there's no actually no such thing as a great idea. Yeah. And he's an idea guy. <laughs> I said, what do you mean there's no great idea i said well for me there's only good ideas that actually get implemented and become great outcomes right and as soon yeah. as we label it as great well it's, it must work because it's great <laughs> and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, right so there's a word you used earlier and i don't want to skip over it i think it feels like it's foundational to a lot of this you said that you were in a surrender place hmm and that word, I will tell you, terrifies people. I've had people say, <laughs> I never surrender because they equate it to giving up. Yeah. But talk about the role of surrender in this journey from awareness to aware mess to awareness. Yeah. So I, you know what? I, I'm going to share uh, a different story because um, I learned that from my daughter. So um, my daughter has an autoimmune um, health condition. Uh, and and as a parent, seeing your child when you still don't know what's going on with them, it it brings a lot of fear. And it's different when you have a health condition or your child has one. And when everything started, she was 13. Now she's uh, 16 plus. And my husband and I, you know, the, she doesn't go a lot to school. She's home every day. You are not sure how it's going to look like because you're still not sure what's going to happen. So you are freaking out. Okay. And every day we come to a room. How are you doing? How do you feel? How do you, how are you doing? How do you feel? And it's again, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? And one day that girl, that, that my daughter, 13 years old, look at me and she tells me, mom, you have to stop asking this question. And it was part, by the way, now I remember, it was part of, of, of a conversation where I said, you have to stop fighting what you're having right now and finding peace with whatever it's in within you. Very coaching mom, mommy moment uh, <laughs> with a 13 years old. And she said, okay, I'm willing to do that if you are willing to do that too. So I will surrender and find peace with what I have within my body if you're willing to surrender and stop controlling me. Because every time you ask me, how do you feel? I feel even worse mm. because you make me feel sick when you ask that oh, question. Wow. That was a 13 years old child telling to her around 40 or 40 plus mother. And I think it's beautiful. And that's for me, the place of surrender. You're wanting to control everything because you don't know what will be the outcome. So you're trying to control it. And then realizing that actually finding peace with that thing you're trying to fight is probably, not always, but probably will shift, shift the experience. So when I was in that situation with my personal experience, I was surrendering because I just, I felt like I am in that insanity space. I'm taking the same actions, expecting different results, as Einstein says, and I don't. So I felt like I have to stop. 
I have to surrender for my own sake. With my daughter, it was so beautiful. You want me to surrender, okay, but you have to do the same. And that's again, that being, we don't like to be with the pain of another person. So what we do, we try to fix it for them. We try to fix it as leaders. We try to fix it as um, parents, as siblings, whatever it is, because we don't know. It's not about that person pain. In that moment, it wasn't about my daughter. It was my pain of seeing her sick. And her looking at me and saying, you are not focusing on me and my health. You're focusing on your anxiety right now. And I think that's what was beautiful in that moment. Wow, that's insightful for a 13 year old. I, I love that. I know that this word is it's, it's an interesting word. And I think it's more than a word. Because I remember probably 10 years ago, I had this discussion with a good friend of mine. And I was talking about, I was working, like looking at what does surrender look like? And he was one of those people that said, oh, no, 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 surrender doesn't work for me. That's about giving up and I will never give up. He, mm. said, well, I, he said, I prefer like releasing or letting go. And I said, well, we're kind of saying the same thing, but he kept saying, I can't surrender. No way, no way. What's interesting about a month ago, he sent me a text. I haven't seen him in a few years. And he said, do you remember that conversation about surrender? I said, absolutely, I do. I mean, it's very vivid. He said, I got it. Mm. But he said, I got it. And yeah. I, now I get it because there's a peacefulness in surrender. And to me, there was a lot of opportunity for that in 2020 because we were awakened to the reality that we don't control much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and once I realized I don't control much, it's pretty easy to surrender because they don't control much. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. And and fortunately, most of us don't need to go to, through those experiences. Um, so when it happens, it feels very strong and mm. very hard. Um, and, and you asked me before, and I'm not sure I answered your question. So for me, the beyond leadership is, yes, you need to do the work on yourself. But then when you do the work on yourself, you need to look beyond. Because surrender for me is not surrender for you. Mm. And my values are not your values. And your experience is not my experience. And my culture fit is not your culture fit. Wow. And when and that's that's that next, that's for me that beyond. And um and and you you go through the journey in way, one way or another. And then when you, you get to the beyond, that's when you start stepping back. Mm. The ego is kind of like being released and you say, okay, as a leader, I not need to be all the time in the front and I can start moving to the sides and to the back, not pushing people from the back, but just being in the back and allowing them to show up on their pace um, and coaching them and your leadership is really changing. Wow, we had such a great time talking with Noah that we decided to go ahead and split this into two different episodes because we wanted to keep going and having this discussion. So make sure that you tune in to part two coming up in just a couple days. See you then. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.